We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galanti, and we welcome back in our very special guest. Haven't seen him in a while. Nate Wilmot from ForTheBloggy.com. Nate's the one who does all that fantastic statistical analysis. Nate, fantastic to have you back on with us. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here, especially with an introduction like that, right? I mean, geez, I need to come. I need to call you more often. I think. Yeah. Well, what it means is not to put any pressure on you, but you better come with your best stuff <laughs> to live up to it, Nate. Okay. You got it. All right. Well, Nate, here's here's why I wanted to talk to you so much this week. This past week, the announcement was made for the whiteout game, and essentially, it came down to Minnesota at night. Or Ohio State at noon. Thank you very much, Fox, for putting your big game on at noon. And I I still don't understand why Penn State can't just say, you know what, we want that to be the whiteout game. It's got to be at night. That's just the way it is. But that's a whole nother conversation. But the reason for you bringing you in, Nate, is everyone wants to know, is there really an advantage for Penn State? in a whiteout game and you my friend actually dug deep into the statistical analysis for that and there's so many ways to check this out the easiest most basic way is gee what's Penn State's record for a whiteout game yeah so uh before last year so I I did not I done well it's it's slightly better because of the Auburn game but uh before last year Penn State was eight and eight 50 percent in the whiteouts um so that's 50% win percentage in the whiteouts versus 80% win percentage at home, right? So uh, definitely in the whiteouts, they don't win quite at the rate that they do normally in Beaver Stadium. But also you have to take into account so many things there, right? So um, number one, it's almost always against one of the best teams that on their definitely on their home slate and on their overall slate. Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State are well represented in the whiteout games. So, you know, you get you take that 50% win percentage with a grain of salt you know that they're going to come against a very, very tough opponent. Um, and they always do well, right? They very rarely get blown out. So um, we'll get to it in, in the later bits. But, you know, if you're a better, um, the whiteout's an important thing for us. Yeah. Well, if we go into it, as I said, on the surface, if you just look at one loss record, you're not looking at it correctly. As you pointed out, they always play the best team typically on the schedule, like Ohio State or Michigan. So what I like is you dug deeper into this and looked at some of the other statistics to find out if there's any correlation with whiteout and how the team performs. And you did this starting with the defense. How did the defense perform in whiteout games versus other games? Yep. So, well, we we do it again as how many points the defense allowed versus how... The, the scoring of the opponent's offense normally. Every game, all of those 16 games with one exception, which was uh, 2013 Michigan, which was the triple overtime or quadruple overtime game, um, the Penn State defense holds the opponent's offense to, on average, about 10 points fewer 
than what they would expect to gain uh, against any other opponent. So, you know, the, the Penn State defenses are always good, and they are always going to put up a very strong fight against the opponent offenses. And again, when you're playing Michigan, when you're playing Ohio State, when you're playing Alabama, those are high-powered offenses that are very difficult to stop. But uh, the Penn State D always um, comes to, to play here. So the Penn State defense outperforms makes it appear that the opponent is underperforming offensively compared to the rest of their games during the season. Yep. How about if we flip it around and look at Penn State's offense and try to do it the same way? How does Penn State's offense perform against the opponent's defense versus how that unit performs yeah. against teams other than Penn State? So, surprise, well, maybe not surprisingly, but um, similarly, right, uh, the Penn State offense actually gets held to lower than what they would normally expect in their seasonal average uh, against the opposing defenses. And only uh, five times have they scored more than their season average um, in the whiteout. So, you know, if just, just for point of reference, right, if Penn state's averaging 20 point, 28 points a game uh, in the whiteout, they're always um, usually going to be slightly below that um, except with those five exceptions. Uh, the biggest one, uh, 2010, um, which I, believe sorry sorry the, the biggest one was 2010 um which was the game against, against uh, that was a michigan, michigan that was a michigan game yeah sorry and then the 2013 game against michigan that big overtime game and then um 2017 uh also against michigan right which was the uh, kind of the the saquon trace game that we thought was going to really propel them to the national championship until they went to columbus a few weeks later <laughs> but but there's another way to measure it. Instead of just measuring Penn State's offense against itself normally, yeah. you could measure how many points does Penn State score against that opponent versus how that opponent defense did against other teams. Yep. So in that way, the Penn State team, how did they do in that capacity? Right. So in that case, they they are far better at outscoring the opponent's averages, or outscoring what the opponent would normally disallow. So uh, only three times have they scored less than the what the opponent would disallow, and every other time they outscored it. With the biggest one being that 2017 Michigan game, where uh, they scored 23 points more than Michigan was allowing for the season. You could probably tell from the conversation so far this this could get very confusing in how you analyze these statistics you know the old lies damn lies and mm -hmm. statistics so you need to dig a little deeper and maybe figure out what are the best ways to measure the effect of the a whiteout game and a whiteout crowd i thought an interesting aspect that you had in here was the number of penalties and I don't think number of yards is all that relevant because that's the bigger yep. penalties, the pass interference and so on. But the whiteout atmosphere creates those smaller penalties, the five-yard, you know, offsides or they jump or they take too long. How did yep. those numbers turn out for the whiteout game? So, uh, very good question. Um, so, the opponents are penalized more um, frequently in the whiteouts than they are in their normal games. And now, again... You know, the whiteouts and away game, you, you're factoring all their home games as well. But in 9 of 16 whiteouts, the, the Nittany Lion fans, as much as anything, forced more penalties than their opponents would have expected. And on the flip side of that, Penn State is penalized far less. About three, they get about three penalties less uh, per game in the whiteout, give or take. Two, or two to three less 
uh, in the whiteout than they would against their seasonal average. So, you know, the, it is an advantage, like you're saying. It's maybe not the huge yardage advantage, but it is an advantage for Penn State getting those offside. And, you know, you go back to the 2019 Michigan game um, where immediately after the kickoff, which was a touchback, Michigan gets a penalty or they had to call timeout because they were going to get a penalty from the crowd noise, right? And that is one of the big factors, I think, in the whiteout that keeps them in the game, even when, you know, they might be overmatched and, and a big underdog against a team like Ohio State. Well, in the, and in the scenario that you pointed out where Michigan had to call a timeout before they even ran a play, in your statistical analysis of penalties, that won't show up. Right. But it is almost it's as a meaningful good thing. or perhaps yeah, even better. Even better than a penalty, and I think what that also does is, and it's hard to measure, how do you measure momentum? The crowd mm-hmm. is now crazily into the game, and I think that has to have an effect on the players also, from both sides. Yeah, I, I think so. So, you know, momentum is one of those intangibles that people will say don't exist or doesn't exist, right? Um, but I firmly believe it does. I mean, if you sit in a game where, you know, he, the crowd starts getting into it and things just snowball against the opponent, it, there is clearly a momentum uh, impact of that, right? But it goes both ways, too. You know, in the 2019 game against Michigan, when they started to make a comeback, like, you know, Penn State was a little bit tired and, and kind of let them back into it, and it wasn't just for a drop ball in the end zone uh, that really let Penn State escape with the win there. So it goes both ways. Momentum, when the crowd is, is juiced up, is absolutely a thing. But you can't prove it, right? It's one of those things. <laughs> Very difficult to do so. Let's get, Nate, to what really counts, though. Let's talk about against the spread. Those of us who are known to put a little wager on certain ball games occasionally want to know, what effect does the whiteout have with the spread? Yeah, so let's just start with, first, you know, how to, to show the opponent that is coming into Beaver Stadium to face the whiteout. Penn State has been an underdog or a flatline 11 of the 16 wide, wideouts previous to last year. So, you know, it is they're absolutely playing against the top-tier team on their on their schedule. Um, right? The biggest underdog that they were was in 2016, coincidentally, right? When they beat Ohio State, they were nearly a 20-point dog, 19-and-a-half-point dog. Um, now, they have beaten the spread um, – They've beaten the spread 10 times, uh, or nine, I'm sorry, nine times, uh, excluding last year, and are four, four and two under James Franklin in wideouts against the spread. So, you know, they're, they're big underdogs, uh, but they tend to do better than average, right? So if you just, for the last 16 years, 17 years, bet Penn State against the spread in the wideout, you're going to be coming out on top in money, right? Where, you know, I don't know what their overall record against the spread is over the last 16 years, but I bet it's, you know, it's not better than that, right? Although... In uh, the year when they went 2-2 went two and two through their first four games, remember the fifth game they beat Minnesota in overtime? Oh, yeah, I remember. Won, yeah. won nine games in a row? Yeah. They were 9-0 and oh against the spread in that okay, streak. Yeah. And that's so I've heard. Yeah. I, I've heard. <laughs> if someone kind of got on that train, they did well. Let's talk about, though, even against the spread, how much do you think Vegas is now saying, hey, wait a minute, the whiteout means something. So instead of giving what we always hear, the yeah. three points to Penn State for the home field, we'll give them six or seven points. You know, that that's actually a, good, a very good question, right? Because 
there are, um, let's see, we have one, two, three, four lines uh, or four outcomes that were within two points of the line, right? So um, that indicates to me that, you know, Vegas is kind of adapting to this a little bit, right? And, and um, they are hitting the line nearly spot on in, in a lot of these games. Now, you do have the outlier, again, like 2016, uh, where Penn State beat the line by 22.5 points. In 2017, they beat the line by 19.5 points. But there are many, many close games in the whiteouts uh, against the spread. So, you know, is Vegas giving them more? Potentially, yeah. Um, and, and it's warranted, right? I mean, again, they, they do better. They are 9-7, and seven, I, I believe now 10-7 and seven, uh, against the spread in the whiteout. So they, they've earned a little bit of that right. They they certainly have, and we'll we'll see how it turns out this year against Minnesota. All right, Nate, as always, it goes way too fast when you're here, but that's it for this edition of our show. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com.